if we're going to enter into the greatness of Jesus and his glory, we have to begin where he begins, with people like Peter. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I ever with thee and thou with Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's look at verses 18, 19, and 20. Now, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. In a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will also live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Okay. Sometimes uh, things don't quite get to make it to print the way that I want it to, what way that I'm satisfied with. So I, I, I wanted to go a little further uh, into this, especially for this last, this last verse. Okay. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Am I doing a good job? Good. Yes. Uh, you just said no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I often wonder that. I, I'm just, it's just something that happens as a pastor. You often wonder if you're doing a good job. It's really, it's one of the most frustrating things because there's no way, or it's, it's very hard to tell if you're doing a good job or not. Uh, I, just, I remember uh, one of my mentors, uh, Steve Brown, saying that, that after a day of ministry and a day of frustration, a day of a sense of failure, that often he would go home and he'd walk into the room, he'd walk into the house and he'd head for the bathroom. He'd head for that bathroom and he'd flush the toilet just so he could see one thing from beginning to end. <laughs> right? Something. He, he started and completed. You know? 
That's how hard ministry is because you feel so little sense of accomplishment. It can really haunt you. It, it, it hurts your pastor. It hurts, it hurts my heart. Uh, there'll be a moment where, you ever heard the expression nickels and noses? You ever heard of that? Nickel, it's all about the nickels and the noses. You know what that means? It's all about what the giving is and how many people are there on Sunday morning. Attendance and giving, attendance and giving. And, and there's this relentless kind of, it haunts me, it hunts me, it hurts me. It's just constant, relentless pressure. Where, when do you hit the numbers or what, what numbers tell me, oh, this is God's work. Oh, this is a good thing. Oh, this is a greater work. And he said, that was right at, this is what is, this verse 12 is the 12 we're going to be, is the verse we're going to be looking at. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. And, and, and that kind of, there's something about that text that kind of haunts me. Yeah, I feel haunted by it because it seems to be promising something or, or promising something that I may experience or we might experience together. And and I don't know that I'm experiencing it sometimes. I can feel that frustration, you know. How do I reach into it? It, re- it can really be a problem. And there's moments, and there's dark moments where, 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 where you're pr- I'm in prayer. And I hear a whisper, you know, what you're doing is worthless. It's not going to work. Have you ever heard this whisper? Has anybody else heard this whisper in the night or in the morning or in the, in the midday? And it says to you, what account are you? What have you done? In, in the end, what have, what, have, what have you done that amounts to anything in this world? Where are the greater works? And so I, I feel, and I felt it this week, I felt the whisper, you know, this sense that like, you know, there's a moment as it, it crystallizes even in the heart of a pastor. What if everything I believe, Paul talks about this, what if everything we believe weren't true? Well, we ought to be pitied. <laughs> I mean, sure, you, we're all to be pitied in this room, but me, I'm, ba- I'm banked a whole career on it, right? We'll be pitied and envied and felt sorry for. What a pitiful sham this would all be, you see. And the whispers come, and they come, and they come to all of us. They come to all of us. And somehow, and somehow, just the dream of greater works makes it even worse for me. I feel like a pinch almost. Like, well, where's that? Where is that truth in my life? How are we going to get there? And it's funny, as, as, I'm, as, I, as I was thinking about it this morning, and I was thinking about how Christ glorifies himself and, and what, what, what this is going to, what this means or what this could mean for us or for me. Uh, how does Christ glorify himself? What's, he, what's, what's the greater works? You know, people, men, have, men have built phenomenal cathedrals. You know how they justified it? Well, greater works. There's actually a church, I don't know if there's a church out here or not, but there's actually a church I remember in San, I think it was in Atlanta, called Greater Works Outreach. <laughs> greater Works Christian Academy, Greater Works. And often that usually means works like that are bigger, more numbers, bigger, bigger signs, miracles, greater works, and all sorts of weirdness that can pop out of the human heart. In other words, right here is a moment where all of our idols could be put on display and baptized by our faith, right? And we could just pursue greatness for itself. I want to be a great person or a great name or have some sort of greatness for myself. You hear it? All these idols pop up. For me, they do at least. I don't know if they do for you. But even right here is all the opportunity for me to want to establish my kingdom, my kingdom, my church, my name. Oh, you hear it? Oh, I hear it and it just makes me sick. I hear it and I, I hear how my heart takes the good things of God and turns them into an idol, an opportunity for me. 
I don't want anything like that. But I want, to, I, want to, I want to get in here. I want to get in here. What glorifies the Son? What glorifies Jesus? What glorifies Jesus? What gives him glory? I discover something kind of remarkable in these greater works. Now, let's take a look here. What glorifies Jesus? How does he get on the path to greater works? Well, this is where the kingdom begins to make sense to me. Right here at this moment, I want to invite you into something you may have thought you were on the outside of right now. In this moment. Now look at the look at the uh, look at the verse twelve here with me. And Christ uses a uh, a mnemonic. It's kind of a it's a good mnemonic hook. It's a it's a way of declaring he's about to say something particularly important. And he begins with the he, that's actually Aramaic. Amen, amen. I say to you, truly, truly, this is as true as truth gets. I'm going to deliver. Truth, truth, truthy truth, truth squared. And in fact, that truth squared idea is very, very Hebrew. You repeat things as a Hebrew in a Hebrew uh, grammatical structure. And when you repeat something, you're saying it perfectly. You're, you're doubling down. You're, asking, you're, you're doubling down. So truly, truly, I say to you, so Christ calls attention to his hearer, calls attention to us across the centuries with this wonderful marker. But this marker is not the only place this happens in the text, is it? There's another truly, truly before it. For if we're going to understand, if we're going to enter into the greatness of Jesus and his glory, we have to begin where he begins. We must begin where he begins, which is where? With people like Peter. Don't miss this for a moment. The previous truly upon which the, this is the second truly, this is the first one that happens at the end of chapter 13, is this prophetic utterance of Christ. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are a ruin. <laughs> That's truly, truly, I say to you, you're a traitor to me. You don't love me. Truly, truly, I say to you, I can count how many times you've walked away. Do you see it? Oh, yeah. And the character of Peter. Christ tells him he's going to the cross. P uh, 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 Peter corrects him, Lord. Why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life. And Christ, and Christ answers, really? Really, I know who you really are. Let's not miss this. This first truly sets the stage for the, the second, doesn't it? Because where do the greater works of God begin? They begin with the least. Don't miss this. Don't miss this because this is the beauty of the gospel. Where do the greater works begin? They begin for the cowards. They begin in and with the fallen, the broken, the men and the women who didn't want God and, and thought and perhaps even presumed that they could be holy under their own power. Do you hear? Do you hear Peter's resolve? I will never follow you. How many of you said things like that? Bold things out of your heart. They were just your own strength, your own power, your own confidence. God doesn't honor those things. Those things are not born of the Holy Spirit. They're not born of anything good. And they're not born and they don't glorify Christ. No, what, what does glorify him? What does glorify him? That he uses junk. <laughs> How does God get to greater works? He starts with junk. Junk. Right here. This kind of junk. That kind of junk. This kind of junk. Your kind of junk. Your mess. Your failure. Your inability. 
And, and I want you to something opens up here, something possible opens up in God and everything he wants to do because he wants to take the weak and the foolish and the despised and the disregarded and the ignored and the marginal. And what does he want to do? He wants to do great things. Why? Why? Why is it this stuff? It must be this stuff because then the greatness belongs to him. And it belongs to Jesus where it belongs to begin with. Praise him. Right at the outset, you know, like I, I have hopes, or I have hopes that sometimes I feel are dashed as I look at myself, don't you? Or hopes you had for your marriage or your, or your company or your life, and you look at yourself, you look at your record, you look at your inconstancy, you look at your failure to stick to it, your failure to have a passion for Christ, and you condemn yourself. And then there stands one in Jesus who does not condemn. Praise him. What does he do? He takes the material, that material. He's a junk man. Praise him. And he's building beautiful things. And this is where the greatness, if you will listen to it, if you'll have your ear tuned to it, becomes a greatness greater than merely size or magnitude, right? Or somehow some glory that attaches itself to a celebrity pastor or a celebrity church. But what is it? It's the joy and the beauty that he builds out of the ruined things themselves. There's a, there is a beauty that ruined things can hold and portray to the world that beautiful things never can. As he makes you and I beautiful in our failures, even through, even through and present in the failure. For through the failures of Peter will come what? The greatest preacher of the church. The greatest announcement of grace. The greatest invitation into God's love comes out of what? The one who a false resolve, the one who Christ knows and names and even numbers his sin and his disobedience, and he's named and he's numbered yours and mine. But we need not be afraid. You see, I had this moment this week, okay? I had this moment of terrible, terrible, soul-numbing, you know, kind of heart-ripping doubt. Am I the only one? Am I alone in the room? No. No, these doubt, we, we know, and, and, and yet my father has not despised me in it, right? He has not forsaken me or left me in it. No, because it's the very stuff he wants to build with. Christ is glorified through our junk. And that is a greater work. That's starting, doesn't you see it? It's starting with a great work to begin with. He took a dead woman, a dead man, and he made them live. <laughs> He took the ruin of their lives and made it a sweet smell and a sweet invitation into God's love. Praise him. All of a sudden, you know, it's funny. I, I'm up here and, you know, there's a, there's a part of me, or a part of all of us, I suppose, or there's a part of me that I just, you know, I want to be the golden boy or I want to somehow be successful or, or be well thought of and, and be and imagine to be something. And then, I, and then I realize there's no power in that. You see, the power in me magnifying my, we're so tempted by it, aren't we? We're so tempted by that, but it's not, it's not real. There's no power. There's nothing greater in it. Don't, I want you to teach you something right out the gate here. Don't trust the glitter and the glamour. Don't trust because the building is so big and the attendance is so large. Don't trust these things. Don't, and I know it's bewildering, but do not trust the places where victory looks so clear because at times that is not, oh, brothers and sisters, that's not a true vision of whether it's the kingdom or not. It might be, it might be, but don't, that's not why you'll know, not how you'll know at all.
Christ has this glory in taking our junk and using it. Oh, praise him. But as we kind of, as we kind of zero in here, I, I want to get to how those greater works go. Because if we're going to do greater works, we all, you might say, okay, Chris, uh, well, <laughs> you know, first, you know, I think if we are going to do greater works, the first thing we do would be hire the right people, right? Get, get the best and the brightest in the room. If you look around, it's obvious Jesus didn't do that. So, so, right? Praise him. Praise him. Walk into it. Walk into it with joy. You know, he wasn't looking for a great, oh, he wasn't looking for that. He was looking for what he would make out of you and me and our fallenness and our brokenness. But there's, it go, let's kind of go down that tunnel. Let's go down that, that little uh, rabbit hole a little further. For it's not only that he picks the things that the world would despise and the junk that's discarded, but he chooses to use that junk and exalt it through faith and faith. This is the, what, you know, the great works of Christ. The great works of Christ begin with junk, but junk transformed by what? Believing. Look at right here. It says right here, believe. This is actually the imperative voice. Christ calls them and he calls those disciples as he calls us today. And he says, read a belief. It's not really, it's not a suggestion. It's not advice. It's a command. You are called to believe, to put your faith and trust in Christ. Now, you may have heard this before. and may have said, Chris, I've heard this. This sounds like old hat to me. But I want you to hear it again. I want you to hear it fresh. I want you to hear it in this way. I want you to hear it the way that the, uh, I, need a, I need a worship bullet in here. Yeah. Take a look in the, I noticed it this morning in the call to worship. Look at Psalm 115. Look, listen to Psalm 115 and hear it. Not to us. Not to us. You hear, the, it's, you hear, you hear it in the, in the psalmist. The poet's trying to get into what God does by his power. And where does he begin? It's not me. It can never be me. Do you hear it? Not us, not us, not us. But to you. That's what faith says. What does your faith and trust in Christ say? It's not your power. It's not your strength. It's not your goodness. It's him. It's him. It's him. It's him. Don't you say, don't you realize when he says this, whatever you ask in my name, what's he, what does my name mean? He's saying standing in my blood, standing in my righteousness, standing in my vision, standing in my kingdom and my mission. Ask whatever you want. And this, there's, this, there's this idea, this moment where we come to Christ and we lay down all of our good works and we say, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe and always, and what's the, what's the work of the kingdom that happens here? What is, what is belief in action? Asking. Asking. Please, hey, can I have the, Father, it's funny. If you were to, if you were to, <laughs> if you were to approach this in a worldly sense, right? to do greater works, you would begin with the best and the brightest people. Anybody would tell you that, not God. God says, I forget that. I don't want that. I'm going to take junk. I prefer junk because then my greatness and the greatness of my son is all the more clear. But I'll go a step further, says the Lord, because not only do humans try to get the best and the brightest for their greater works, they then plan the work and work the plan, right? Right? Go get to it. You got stuff to do. Take it. Seize the day. Seize it through your plans and working that plan. And you know what God does? In order to demolish the, the, the bid that I, for my glory, <laughs> what does he do to demolish the bid for your glory? 
Oh, here's my terms. Here's my plan. Here's my plan, Deborah. <laughs> Ask me. <laughs> what? What kind of a plan is that? I mean, that that's, that's, that's not, that's infuriating. What do, believe, believe and ask. What are we going to do as a church? What should we do in San Francisco? How should we reach San Francisco for Christ? I got an idea. I have a novel idea. Let us believe and ask. <laughs> Let us, because you see, right at this moment, we are literally knocking the ball into his court and saying, if it's your glory and you care about it, then hit the ball back, Father, because I'm trusting in you. And I'm trusting and I'm prayer. I am, and so all of a sudden, I'm setting the stage for greater works. Oh, did you, oh, Jesus is all over this. And this is where he, the simple asking and believing, this, this work of faith is called, um, it's called the, uh, the ordinary means of grace. The idea is, is that God builds his kingdom in the most ordinary ways, <laughs> by faith and prayer. We, by word, prayer, and sacrament, the Spirit brings the Spirit of truth. We, we rely on nothing else. I, look, there's so many strategies for how we could become a bigger, a fatter, a, a, a larger church that's going that's gonna, to you know, have the, maybe what we need. We, you know, we, we need a band. Oh, that's what we need. We need a rock star up here, don't we? We, we need a kit. Where's, where's Eric? We, we, need, we need a kit. We need a, you see, and, and well, he, hear me. There's actually a, a terrible show on HBO right now called The Righteous Gemstones. And they're, they're poking into televangelists and poking into that world. And Tal and I were watching, we only watched one episode. It's grotesque and evil. I can't recommend it. But I was looking at it professionally, seriously, because these are the ways we are, this is the way people imagine it is to be a pastor. And at one point in the grotesque, absurd, over-the-top, greater works kind of attitude with millions of dollars at stake and mansions and boats and planes. By the way, this is, this is Southern Christianity at its best or worst, I guess, how you put it. And Tal turns to me and she goes, boy, that's a bit of an exaggeration, isn't it? And I said, turned to her and I said, if you lived in Atlanta for 15 years, you'd know it wasn't. And instead, this is, this is a true portrayal of how Christ and the kingdom are co-opted for glory, money, sex, and power. And you better believe it's a ticket if you want it. Praise God that he wouldn't even let us touch that. Who wants that? That will have no power in San Francisco. We'll laugh at it. There's no power to change anything because it isn't the power of Christ. Oh, and we start moving, and you know, and then, then uh, I remember uh, one, of the, one, of those, one of those guys, one of those mega church leaders, one of his slogans was, attempt something so great for God that it's doomed for failure unless God is in it. Boy, that's kind of inspiring, isn't it? Doesn't it make you want to climb K2 or Everest or something? Attempt something so great for God that it's doomed for failure unless God be in it. Yes and amen. So let us say that we will attempt to, to be a vehicle for our Father's glory by a day of prayer, by preaching the word, by laying hold of, his, of the sacraments, and trusting our Savior. I would say, 
That would take an awful lot of faith, wouldn't it? <laughs> to believe that these raw materials are merely what we need? Yes and amen. Because you see, there's such a temptation here. I'm tempted right here in the moment. To, I'm, I'm always being, we're all being tempted to, to sell out. If you don't know that I will sell out, then you don't know me. Brothers and sisters, I expect you to be standing there to make sure I don't sell out. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want that, that, but I'll be tempted to, so will you. Greater works than, oh man, what does happen? Greater, well, gosh, it's kind of funny. You know, if the church gets larger than 100 to 200 people, we're already bigger than any church Jesus ever made. Greater works, yes, all the time. Greater works, greater works going out. Greater works being done by virtue of the God uses the junk in order to build his kingdom. That's a greater work. Greater works where Christ is amplifying. Let me give you, oh, this is such a, and by the way, this is all in the plural. All these yous are in the second person plural. It's us together have it. I remember one of the early times I felt a call to ministry when I was nine. Now, I don't know what that meant in my life at the time. Except that I always said hi to everybody at church. Hi, hi. You can just imagine me at 12 years old. Hi, hi, hi. I, yeah, I was just like I was just like I am today, but worse. And I, you know, I was always saying hi. And uh, years later, mom and dad told uh, told me the story about a, a man who was in our church. He was a Vietnam vet at the time. This is like the late 70s, so it would have been very current. And uh, he told my mom and dad that, that that sounds so stupid when I say it now all these years later, that I saved his life. Now I was, I was like, what? How does a 12-year-old showing up and saying hi? Greater works. You see it? God's going to take takes little acts of kindness, love, sacrifice, joy, connection, and love. And what does he turn them into? He magnifies them. They, they become greater works. Don't you know you're capable of greater works? Don't you know even as a saint or a sister on your knees for Trump that God will answer for him just because you asked? Greater works indeed. Haven't you imagined or have you begun to imagine what could happen to us and to San Francisco and to this generation if we will take seriously the Father has said he will do greater works when his people are humble and depend on him only in prayer. Praise him. Praise him. And then you hear it. It's for all of us who are doing greater works and all of us together. And even the little words of a child welcoming somebody were what? God's work in the kingdom with power. Isn't that what any of us can do? All of us should do? Or all of us must do? Brothers and sisters, even the, even the quietest of you, if you're interceding regularly for me, can change how our church operates. Praise him. Greater works. Yes. Yes, it's Christ's glory. It's Christ's glory that he uses junk. It is Christ's glory, the glory of the cross, the glory of a salvation that admits no works, a glory that's only by grace. When Christ says, this church will stand or fall and my work will be greater or less depending on prayer and belief and whether my people believe me. But oh, did you see it coming? Greater works come from the Holy Spirit. They come from connection with a person. And in fact, he is called what? Him. I, there, there, something has kind of happened. Uh, 
uh, if you read The Shack, anybody read The Shack? There was a, a popularization of the Trinity and where, the, where the, 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 the Holy Spirit is presented as a woman. I think in that context, it was a black woman. I have no problem with that in particular, except this problem. He will give you another helper to be even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he lives, dwells with you, and will be, and here we are presented. present it. You can't know God as a force, and you can't know his power unless you know him truly as he is, as a person. The Father is a person. He must be worshipped. The Son is a person. He must be totally believed in for eternal life. And the Holy Spirit is a person. And your operative power of your spiritual life is completely dependent upon your connection to Him. For He is the streaming, deliverable who brings Jesus. He is the one, and this is where I constantly, this is where this text, this is why I actually included those last. Let's just go back and and look at verse 20. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. What is, oh, sorry. What is this? It's what I keep wanting to draw you back to, the transitive nature of holiness, and the way the faith, hold the Holy Spirit by faith, and by faith in the Son. Now, the greater works of the Holy Spirit bringing this reality to bear. You are in Christ. Christ is in the Father, and you are in God, and He is now in you. This goes back and forth, and the Holy Spirit greases the track here. He opens the door. He becomes the channel and the, and the way in which you are connected to the Father and the Son. Praise Him. Greater works now hinge on your connection and knowing the Holy Spirit, the hardest person in the Trinity to know. What are we to do with this? How should we hope in this? What is it going to look like? What are we going to cry out for? Well, I don't care who you are. Um, let me see here. Uh, who made the, who made the, uh, the uh, pastries outside? Who brought those in? Uh, somebody show me a hand. Who brought the pastries? Gina? Gina. Thank you, Gina, for the pastries. Gina and those pastries, I believe, were predicted and prophesied in Exodus 36. Yeah, somewhere around there. Maybe Exodus 34. I can never quite repeat those chapters. Maybe it's a little further than that. Gina's work with pastries was predicted in Exodus. What am I talking about? Well, the first place the Holy Spirit came the first place the Holy Spirit descended, the first time somebody was filled with the Holy Spirit, it was somebody who was making stuff for the temple. A holy half. And he was filled. You know what that means? That the, that the people upstairs and the work of the kingdom... It, look, a lot of times the work of the kingdom, being a greeter, helping with Bolton, punishing Bolton, setting things up, watching the kids, taking care of them, doing the gracious out, making the coffee, um, being a welcomer, all this kind of stuff. You know, we, the power and the presence to do that is only through the Holy Spirit. That is what, 
The Holy Spirit works in the little things. He works in the stuff, in, in the motivational stuff deep inside your heart that gets you to do things. Look, burnout's on the, burnout's close. Burnout's close for all of us. Every time we're not depending on the Holy Spirit. Because you see, when you draw on your own power, or if I draw on my power to be a pastor, and let's say I'm drawing on it because I want to please you. I want you to like me. And I want you to like the church so you'll become a member. And if you become a member, then the church grows and I become more secure in my job. And then we, can, we, can, can, we, can, we work, can we work on this together, Jack? Well, that'll be okay, won't it? That's a deal made in hell. Our father has nothing to do with that. Our father wants Jack and I to be animated with a mutual love and attraction born of the spirit. You see, and so the person who types this up, that that work is holy, spirit filled. And you want to know what it looks like for a spirit filled church? It's a church giving away itself to one another in love, in friendship, in time, in acts of love. And what happens? The eternal God becomes real in, in human life. Everything, so what is, it, what is that expression? Sooner or later, everything boils down to work. Amen? <laughs> Sooner or later, all the talk boils down to doing something. Where the Holy Spirit is, people are doing things. But this person, this person can be known. I don't even know what it means to have the greater works at times. Like, like nobody's ever satisfactorily defined what exactly it's going to look like. or what it, And I think it's meant to be open-ended. I think it's meant to push us for creativity. I think it's meant to, for us to imagine beautiful things in the kingdom. But I'll tell you one thing we know about the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's there in the text, even. I feel it's there. And that means... You can have more of him. It seems to me uh, you can have an increase. I was, when I was um, out there in the hall, I prayed for the double portion. Do you, do you know what the double portion is? Do you know what we're allowed to pray for? We're allowed to ask God to double down, to do an amen, amen to Sidwin, to double down in truth like that. And give him the double portion. It's the yearning of Elisha. You see, Elisha follows Elijah. And Elijah is able to pray. And the heavens close. And no rain comes down. And then Elijah is able to pray. And fire will descend from God on a mountaintop. And consume an altar and everything around it. And Elijah would move. And the power to raise the dead. And Elisha followed him. Elisha followed him like, we've, like we're following Christ now. And then as, as, as his ministry came to an end, Elijah had to be taken away. Like Christ is being taken away here. Christ is going to leave them. And in a sense, there's this terrible sense of abandonment that they seem to already, they're just beginning to struggle with. Wait a second, what do you mean you're leaving? Well, I want to go with you. Don't leave me. What are you doing? Don't leave me. Don't. And, and then, I don't know what I did. And then um, he's offered, he, he tells him about the Holy Spirit. Well, I think Elisha's, Request for the double portion for more of God is right where we are at this moment now. If we want greater works living in us and through us, and if we want to taste and touch some of the glories of what God wants to do in San Francisco, we, ought, we have to come now in a place, God takes junk, junk like you and me, and he pours out a double, a portion to the overflow. And that's what I want. That's what I'm asking for you.
I'm asking that God would simmer and broke and move and overwhelm and fill and, and take you, even if you're not willing. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be wonder, wonderful if Jesus would take you when you're not willing <laughs> and make you willing? And didn't I just describe all of you? How many times we just need to be made willing? Oh, Father, do this work and then bring us the glory of Jesus because that's what arrives in through this and that's what comes and that's why it becomes so much greater because it brings Jesus more. Yes, was our hope for San Francisco? Look, San Francisco does not care if, San, if this church lives or dies. In fact, I'm pretty sure if they knew who we were, they'd have a very strong opinion about us on the dying part. So... What do we hope for? What kind of change is possible? And we look and we're confounded and we're, and we're, we're terrified by this generation. This generation looks huge and powerful and unassailable. And I would say, I want to double down on this beautiful picture given to us by Jesus. What is, and the beautiful picture is, I use junk. I give away the greatness of the kingdom by faith and trust in me when you ask. And I don't just give you things. I give you me, a person to be with you. Your paraclete, we'll look at this more in the weeks to come, to be your helper. Praise him. Praise him with highest praise. Let's pray. Oh, Father. Oh, Father, what would it be like to have the Holy Spirit descend with fire into our generation. You know, we, we're, pretty good. we're pretty good at doing this church thing. Church in a box. I think there's some good websites we can go to. There's all sorts of promises about breaking the 200 barrier, breaking the 400 barrier. What was they always breaking the 800 barrier or something? Like and I, it just feels so foolish, Father. It all of it feels so foolish. Now, the church is specialized in super growth mechanics, and we're more powerless than ever. What is going on, Father? Come and glorify your Son through, your, through us. I praise you that you use junk like Peter, that you use junk like me. I praise you that you come, and it's by faith and by the asking. Well, Father, we got a lot of stuff we're going to ask for now. And it's you as a person coming in love and power to fill. Father, we ask for the double portion. The double portion of your action, grace, power, and presence. We pray for our kids. We pray for our city. We pray for other churches. Don't just give it to everybody, Father. Give it to everybody. So we can be a generation that knows you. Your glory has become clear again in Christ. Amen. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Take and eat. He also took a cup of wine saying, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and, take and drink. Uh, this table, you, get, you get, it, get this kind of funny. This is gluten-free bread. It barely, barely has any caloric value. Right? And it tastes awful. But you see, it's the vehicle by which an eternal God wants to communicate his power. You see how you are imaged here, Tina? You're just like we're just like this, aren't we? This is how powerless we are. 
Well, that's the, that's the vehicle that God wants to reveal his power. Praise him. Praise him with highest praise. This table and this hope and this joy and this Savior and these greater works are only for junk. Remember that? They're for junk. I invite you to this table if you're a sinner. Only sinners are welcome to my Savior's table. Only sinners need a Savior. Only the sick need a physician (laughs) and need healing. So you are invited to this table if you're a sinner whose trust is in the God of grace. Conversely, if you think you're a good person, my heart goes out to you. If you think you're a good man, if you present yourself as a good person to God, then you're no longer a part of his works. You're a part of your works. And you don't have a place at his table yet. There'll come a day, I hope, when you will repent of your goodness (laughs) and know him, know his power. Let's go a step further. Some of you might be skeptics and all this talk about a great God doing mighty things through his power and the Holy Spirit sounds like magic. Well, it's more power than I even know how how to describe. But I am hoping that if you're a skeptic, as you watch and listen, you will be enticed to want to know this God and know his power. And know it just by believing in him. Praise him. All right, so that's, that's the drill. We come to this table by faith. We, 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 we actually enact the entire message today <laughs> here in this table by its, by its rudimentary and simple elements. And we say our trust is only in Christ and his power. Amen. By faith, that's it. That's what the table's saying. That's what we are believing. And that's what I'm preaching. Because that's what the scriptures say. Amen. Now let's stand. Will you proclaim to me now the mystery of our faith? Christ Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. Tell me, Christian, brother and sister, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyterian.sf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you.